the Divorce is Not an Option podcast. Thanks for joining us. Hey, y'all. Please be sure to subscribe and join our podcast so that you can be automatically alerted when we produce new episodes on iTunes, Spreaker.com, Google Play, YouTube, and SoundCloud. And tell a friend and repost and retweet this podcast for us. Today, we're talking about love capacity. <laughs> oh, wait, hold up. <laughs> is, that, is that an H-Town? Bum B, hold Bum up. B, hold up. Okay, so... <laughs> <laughs> Where we going? Where we going? Okay, um, I want to ask you a few questions before we just jump into love capacity. Um, You kind of created this concept, and I want to know how you came up with it and how you developed it. Love capacity is the measure of your ability to receive, provide, and be accountable for an unconditional, forgiving, profoundly tender, passionate affection toward another person. Okay, so you just had a lot of words. <laughs> um, okay, so um, after that mouthful, break that down for us and tell tell us what that really means. It, it's it, love capacity. Really, is is my baby. I'm like, I've been working on love capacity for like eight years, and so Aww. I broke it up into the dimensions. Like it's three dimensions. The first dimension is about how you receive love. Um, because like, hopefully when you were born, you received love from your parents. Like you actually got to visualize it as an infant, a, a mom or dad holding you, loving you, things like that. Right. So we all know how to receive love and, and love is about receiving and giving. So I'm assuming providing or giving love is dimension two. Absolutely. And so, so what happens is once you learn as a child, how to receive love, then as you get a little bit older, you start providing love. So, so my, my daughter, for example, is two years old. She already knows how to hug mom and love mom and kiss on mom and kiss Everything on dad. Mom. Yeah, <laughs> okay. uh, that, my, it's like mom three times and then dad. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Cause even now, sometimes she'll tell me no kissing daddy, no kissing. <laughs> You know, or it's times I kiss her and uh, she'll say no and she want to kiss mama. Like mama is definitely her favorite. I don't I don't know if we're going to do that whole daddy's girl thing. I don't know what I don't know what nothing about that. OK, so, so she's giving love to mama and she's getting love from daddy. Exactly. That's, she, she got our first two dimensions covered. Right. right. And so and so then the next part is going into the third dimension, which is accountability. Oh, okay. Accountability. Um, (laughs) It's a big word that a lot of people struggle with. Um, And it's kind of difficult at times. And so why are you saying accountability is difficult? You you try to put your man on? Wait, what? You try to put your man man on blast? (laughs) Wait, why are you going to bring my man into this? I'm just saying it's it's a difficult thing to do for some people. And PSA, um, since I'm newly married... Um, all of my little statements are not necessarily about my husband or my experiences with my husband. That's a real PSA. Like you took a step <laughs> back, use a different tone of voice and all that to make sure the PSA is very clear. I just want, I just want uh, everybody and my man to know that I'm not just in there talking about him like that. Um, I'm not putting our business out there like that. Okay, so back to Dimension 3 accountability. So what I found through working with couples is that they don't really know what accountability means. Like like you just kind of throw that word out there and accountability means being able to be accountable and also being able to hold your partner accountable. Okay, so give me an example of that. Uh, like being accountable is like doing what you said you were going to do, being what, where you said you were going to be, um, knowing that the decisions that you make impact your partner. 
Like, for example, I can't just quit my job tomorrow because my household is dependent on this income. <laughs> I'm famous for quitting my job. <laughs> you just quit? <laughs> so you are really one of those people who just walk in like, you know what? I'm done today. <laughs> yep, yep. So that's that's definitely uh, something that people need to work on. Um, <laughs> it's different you now that you're married. Yeah. But do you know it's different now that you're married? Okay, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just about to say, you see it all the time. You see folks making huge, life-changing decisions and then just looking at their spouse crazy because they don't just get on board. It's really heartbreaking, too, when uh, you see a spouse try to force another spouse into basically supporting their poor decision or decision mm-hmm. they made without the feedback of the other spouse. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So you talked about accountability. You said um, you have to hold yourself accountable, but you also said holding your partner accountable. How do you do that? Yeah, the the, the other big piece and the most important piece of, of love capacity and accountability is being able to hold your other partner, your partner accountable. Right. And the reason why that's so big is because it's, it's not just about them at that point. It's about being able to balance out the marriage. And so. Um, if my wife spends too much money, am I able to come up with an agreement with her on how to spend money? If my husband stays out too late, am I able to come up with a time that he should come in? Um, if, if we have oh, to oh, do oh, things oh. around the house. Okay. Go let ahead. me, let me I just got to tell a side note. Cause I went to women's group this morning and we, we got this story that just, just blew my mind. Um, someone was talking about their mother and how, um, in this instance, um, when their parents first got married, daddy did not come home until six o'clock in the morning one day. Wow. And we all sitting around, you know, somebody was like, did your mom have some hot grits ready? You know, <laughs> was it a skillet? You know, and she was like, well, what do you think my mom was doing? And we were all like different shades of, you know, I was thinking, well, shoot, at four o'clock, if I woke up and he wasn't there, I'm leaving. <laughs> so, <laughs> let him wonder where I was. <laughs> so, uh-huh. Uh-huh. um, but she said her mama was doing what she usually does in the morning, which was ironing her daddy's uniform for work. So when he came home to change for work, she was just like, here, baby, um, you want something to eat? <laughs> and, and she said that is how her father actually turned his whole life around. Because he said that was the first time he really just saw God's love. It was exemplified oh, really? by so his she, wife. So she didn't even respond to his coming in at six o'clock in the morning. Mm-mm, mm-mm. And it's just wow. interesting because we nag and we, I mean, we got the hot grits ready. And so, you know, my question um, with that is how, how are you a good, responsible, loving wife? And um, at the same time, a wife who holds her husband accountable because um, you don't want to, I mean, like I would say she's a saint and then that was a great story, but I think 90% of men would not have responded so well. 90% of men would have been like, Oh cool. I can stay out to six. And that's exactly <laughs> what I would have did. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I'm going to get in before 601 for sure. From my own <laughs> before 601, I'm going to be here if I got to dive in the door, you know? And so, and the key thing, too, is when we're talking about accountability is that we got to know that it's di- accountability is different from everyone. Yes. Right? Because no no man is the same as the next right. man. No woman is the same as the next woman. And no marriage is the same. And so what works for one person may not work for another person. So how did you learn accountability? Uh, my wife is the high grits person. She ain't going <laughs> to <piss. laughs> 
<laughs> you know. And so I needed a strong woman to kind of hold me in check and to let me know that I wasn't going to run over her because I'm, I'm traditional man in the sense of I conquer and destroy everything around me and I lead and I command and I demand that everyone kind of come under me when I'm around it. And so I needed a woman that was going to say, hold up, boo, hold up, slow down. That's not going down over here. And I got example upon example where she kind of challenged me and just made me understand that this is a partnership and this is not, Stephen, you are a ruler or you are a king. I will submit to you because when you are submitting to God and you're working in accordance with that Amen. submission to God. Okay, give us I'm an example. Not, I mean, like I remember a time like um, early in our marriage, like three, six months into our marriage, uh, I was just doing too much, chit- you know, chitter chatting with the, with the friend from my homework, homegirl, coworker, whatever. Just talking. Me and the wife had gotten to a little disagreement. I'm talking to my homegirl, telling her side, telling my side, and all that. And my wife was like, "You, you in your phone, real deep, you know? What you got going on? Let me, <laughs> let me see what you got in your phone. You typing so hardly about, right? Uh huh. And so I'm like, no, you can't look at my phone. And she's like, what you mean I can't look at your phone? Like, what you trying to hide? So it turned into a what you trying to hide thing. And I'm like. I'm not trying to hide nothing, but you can't look at my phone. And before I knew it, this woman had snatched the phone, threw it against the wall, stomped it like she was Michael Jordan, <laughs> and just went wild on the phone. Oh. And my I was in, yeah, she was cheating <laughs> Mike Tyson on the phone, you know what I'm saying? Like, and I was in shock and like, yo, that's my $359.42 phone. And she don't. You know what I'm saying? And she was very clearly like, hey, if I can't see your phone, you can't have no phone. I'm smashing all phones you bring in the house. <laughs> <laughs> now, don't get me wrong. That's not for everybody. You know right. what I'm saying? And it works good with the story that you gave, right? Because in the story you gave, the woman earlier was basically able to just trust God, that God will handle it, and the husband will figure out, you know, better. And like you said, that 99.9% of men will not respond to that, and they need a stronger response. And so each person in holding their partner accountable has to be able to find out where that line is that you have to go to. My wife knows I'm not some, you know, look at me and roll your eyes and that make me move. That don't make me move. I, I know that about me, you know, and it's important too that men know about themselves. Like I know that I'm a dominant personality and I need to know where the line is. I, I can't assume or I'm going to challenge you. That's a very good point. The self-awareness. Right. And a lot of men just when like I knew that when my wife smashed the phone, I had to say to myself, you know what? Um, she's right. I am married. I shouldn't be doing anything inappropriate in my phone that I can't show to my wife. And that was like three months in. That was like 12 years ago, you know, 11 and a half years ago. OK, so let me ask you this. How long did it take you from the phone smashing to the recognition that she's right? It, it, for me, it was instantaneous. OK. Um, because of the theatrics involved with smashing the phone. <laughs> I mean, but I'm just thinking a lot of men would have stopped at, that's my phone. Like, that's $350. I guess she knew that I was different about that, or she didn't care, or she knew that I needed a woman that had that. Like I said, I needed, like, I know that I needed, it goes to what you said earlier about just the self-awareness. I know that when I, I know when I cross the line, I know when I'm wrong. You know, I know when I need to be corrected. But if you don't correct me, then I'm going to say, you know what? I guess I can come in at six o'clock. Right. Mm-hmm. 
And so while she was correcting my, my actions, I was able to say to myself and talk to myself, you know what? She's right. She switched over to marriage. I'm still acting like a boyfriend. And a husband don't have nothing to hide from his wife. Right. Right. And, and she, she, she taught me that early on in our marriage. I think that's important too, is kind of knowing where your mate is on that spectrum of self-awareness. I've read somewhere that self-awareness is the beginning of spiritual maturity. Um, and so, yeah, I think your reaction, whether it's ironing his uniform before he, you know, gets home to change for work, or if it's smashing his phone, um, when he talked to a woman for too long, just knowing where your man is on that self-awareness spectrum and then adjusting your response to that. Yes. And and then knowing too, like, I think we have to say self-awareness, knowing who you are, right? I, like I knew who I was in that situation. I knew I was out of line. I knew that I didn't need to be chitting, you know, chatting with another person about my wife. Um, and then like you were saying, you need to be aware of who your partner is. Yeah. So this may be a do not try this at home. Be snatching and smashing phones. Don't do that. <laughs> don't don't snatch nobody's phone. It You're not ready for, for that. Everybody. It don't work for everybody. You, you know, because you might you might have that dude that you smash his phone. He smashed your television. You know what I'm saying? Like he, he, he might not he might not have been at that mature stage like I was. Where I said to myself, you know what, I'm out of line. And so you had not self-awareness. Also, self-awareness means don't be doing nothing that you can't back up. There you You go. You know what I'm saying? Because my wife is about about it. And if I would have came back at her some kind of way, she with it. I tell people all the time, my my wife is with the drama. Like, she with it. Like, bring it. Let's do it. Whatever you want to do, Stephen, I'm with it. And I just needed that. Like, I I don't know if I can really express enough that as a a man like me, and, and, and I would say I'm, I'm pretty close to the average man in terms of how I am and how I deal with women, uh, which is sad because a lot of men do not have this reflection of themselves. They do not know how dominant they are. Is that a whole nother show? (laughs) That is a whole nother show. Just some some men. Let's try to do it a little bit. Like let's a little bit, a little sidebar, a little bit. Like some men just do not recognize or understand how dominant, how controlling, how aggressive, how demanding um, the expectations that they have for a woman to just do whatever they say, no matter what. Mm. Um, I think it's also, it's it's, um, a matter of knowing when to turn it off and on. I think that's, that's what a lot of men struggle with because, because in some ways as a woman, that dominance is sexy, you know? And so we're attracted to that, but there's a time and a place. You can't be just dominant controlling all the time. Right. And and you can't be dominant and controlling. I think those are actually bad words. Like I don't yeah, okay, yeah. I, I like like I like I am dominant and controlling, but I am not dominant and controlling inside my marriage. Yes. Right. Um what I would say in my marriage is I try to simmer all that down into leadership and guidance. Exactly. Um and, and, and not necessarily leadership and guidance throughout life, but maybe leadership through our problems. Um, like, like I'm willing to sacrifice first. I'm willing to apologize first. I'm willing to compromise first. Like I lead by example. And so I get a lot of men who just don't really understand even how we talking about accountability. We slide over to leadership. Like they don't even understand the leadership part of it to live to them. Leadership mean I'm talking and you listening. Right. And you can still be the alpha male and compromise at the same time. One of the things I learned early in my marriage was I learned that my wife has to talk. And like the average woman, 
and and she's emotional sometimes and she's not letting me win like I, and I don't and I learned to not want to win like I learned to say okay I'm gonna make my clear concise statement and I allow her consistently to have the last word consistently I just I just shut it down and I make eye contact and I let her have the last word and then I'm like okay I'm gonna keep it moving now Okay, so our topic is love capacity, and I want to get us back to the topic, but one statement that you made that I want to make sure that is clear in this um, discussion that we're having is that you, if you cannot hold your partner accountable, then your marriage will struggle. I think yeah, that's an uh, awesome point. Yeah, yeah, and 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 it's it's so, it's, it's a lot, like really we're trying to unpack in terms of um, like both parties need to understand that. Like I get some women in here sometimes when I'm doing relationship coaching who really believe that a man is just going to learn or know innately how to be a husband. And we haven't had good examples of that. A lot of times we have women who, even if their mother wasn't a wife or wasn't married a long time, they still are a woman. So they learn the nurturing, honoring, supportive side. But the man didn't learn from any other man the compassionate side in leadership. You know, I keep thinking about the scripture, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. Um, right. And how it's, um, you know, I've heard John Gray in different sermons where it's your wife before, your wife when he finds you, right. not after you get married. However, it doesn't say the husband that finds a wife. It never says that. And, 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 ooh, that's a whole nother thing. <laughs> like, <laughs> your wife already, I mean, and really because I, I think society kind of trains us up that way you know not and that's not just not even a home an example would be when you leave the house your girlfriends hopefully you surround yourself with good women Mm -hmm. who will tell you don't put up with this from this man or Mm -hmm. don't be like that hopefully you with other women who are not just giving a cookie away to every guy that comes around you know stuff like that um and and then with men we're taught the opposite right we're taught collect as many women as you can and so that's how when we once we figure out, OK, like learning to be with a woman, learning to be with one woman, that is definitely a learned process. Like I didn't I didn't I didn't learn how to be with one woman through until I was married. Like I really did not understand that, OK, I can't go talk to other women. Yes, like I can't. And, I, and, and let's Right. And boundaries. And, and, and it wasn't that I couldn't talk because I do have other women that are friends. But my rule is, is that any woman in my phone now is my friend that can meet my wife. Let me right. slow down on this because I get this all the time. So many women can be friends, but any woman that is in my phone, I can call right now and say, hey, come over here. My wife want to meet you. Yep. Yep. Very, very clear. I get that all the time. Like at least once or twice a month, I get something from somebody where a man is saying a woman can't be friends with a dude or a dude is saying, you know, that her husband is friends with too many women or whatever. And I'm like, okay, simple rule. Any one of my friends in my phone, I can call right now and say, hey, my wife would like to meet you, talk to you, you know, you know, just be friends with you. And they will come over to my house today. Like, this is my friend. So it ain't no, like, if I call Tamara, I, I'm not going to have to look for Tamara. I'm not going to be like, oh, I called Tamara. She answered the phone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, the next week, next week, I don't know what happened to Tamara. She must have changed her number. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. You ignore the segment of shady women out there who will be the wife's friend and be trying to do X, Y, or Z on the side. Yeah, that's a whole nother level. <laughs> <laughs> we can't they do nothing about there. that. They are out yeah, there. It's a, 
Yes. And it, the actually the numbers increasing the number of women that are just put up with, you know, taking 20 percent of a man. That's just crazy. Okay. All right. Let's bring it back. So we mm-hmm. can back to this love capacity quiz. Um, mm-hmm. So how do we take the quiz? I know you got a book. What is, what is, you know, all of that? Give us all the information. You can go to lovecapacity.com and take your love capacity quiz in about five minutes. And the way I built the quiz is I've been doing relationship coaching for about 12 years. Mm-hmm. And what I, what I did was I would just hear common statements from people throughout my relationship coaching about either themselves or about their, their spouse or their boyfriend or their girlfriend or their fiance or whatever, either about themselves or about them or about the relationship or about the marriage. And I just took all of those common statements and I started just grouping them. And, and from the groupings, I would just say, okay, if you chose this statement that was more important to you than the other statement, then you are in this group. And then I would refine it. So I would group it. And then from that group, you were a four. That group, you was a seven. And then I email all the people that were a four and say, hey, what does a four mean? Like, what? who are you? Tell me about you. Tell me your story. Tell me your marriage or your relationship or your love or whatever. And they will respond to me and say, this is where I'm at in my love cycle or this is where I'm at in my marriage or my relationship or my trust or my, you did a lot of research on this eight years, eight years of just refining and refining and refining. I mean, I've had like 80,000 quizzes. And so the first time, yeah, yeah. 80,000 quizzes. A lot of people don't even know I got that many. And so I had 80,000 quizzes the first time, like I I got 30,000 quizzes and I broke those quizzes down by the different scores. So I have 10 different scores that you can have. And I grouped those 30,000 quizzes into each one of the 10 scores. And then I mailed each one of the 10 scores separately. So I mailed everyone that scored a one on the quiz. I mailed everyone that scored a two, three, four, all the way to 10. And then I, I, I would get feedback. And then I'd write scenarios and write out descriptions of the feedback that I received. And then when I got the 50,000. I did it again. I emailed, I broke it down. If you scored a five, here's your group of five. I said, hello, how you doing? Send a mailing list. You took the low capacity quiz. You're a five. Tell me again where you are. What does a five mean to you? Not necessarily what a five means to you, but who are you? So I can define what a five is. And so sometimes people people will look at it like, okay, is this a personal thing? Or is it is it Steven's opinion of me or my marriage? No, I, I, it's a quiz. It's numbers. Got it. So you, um, you know, everybody's heard about the five love languages and you have these 10 love capacities. Like what is the difference between love languages and love capacities? To me, and you can, I'm sure you read the five love, love, love yeah. languages also, right? Yeah. yeah. So to me, five love languages is about providing and receiving love. It's about it, it, it defining and explaining who you are and what matters to you. One of my all time favorite classic books too. How would you describe yes i absolutely love it and it it does it is about how you receive love and how your partner receives love and how you are able to kind of transform your idea of providing love because generally we provide the love in the way that we receive it and sometimes you need to you know kind of adjust that to provide love the way that your partner receives it and so i feel like i built on that concept and not intentionally it was just what i saw that i needed to work with my groups. But but in comparison to the five love languages, what I would say is, is that it's not enough to just know that um, acts of kindness or words of encouragement, um, because what if your partner is not necessarily good at that love language, mm-hmm. right? 
And so then it's more important to me what I did with love capacity is I wanted to know who you are and, and just, just what are you built on? Um, what are your expectations? What have you observed? Who are you? Where are you? How much of your capacity and love capacity is about like your tank or your depth? It's about how much you have in your tank to give on a scale of one to 10. And so I kind of started out with women wants, women want to love at 10 and a scale of one to 10. They want to be at 10 in terms of love. Of course. Right. You know what is interesting to talk to you about it too. This, we should have had you take the quiz before you got married. Cause that, oh, that before I got married. I did take before, the quiz before I got married. Uh, yeah, you took it years ago, though. I'm yeah. talking about like right before you got married. Because what I tend to see is, oh, this is a warning. You gotta let your, make sure the husband listen to this podcast. <laughs> what, 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 okay. what, what, what tends to happen? What tends to happen is, woman takes the low capacity quiz and she scores a ten. Uh, or actually, what we want woman to do is to score a ten when she takes the quiz, mm-hmm. meaning that she's uh, fully purged her anger, her frustrations, her disappointments um, about relationships and things that hurt her feelings before the marriage. And now she's fully capable of loving at a level 10 at her highest capacity. Um, I feel like man only gets up to about a seven on the same scale. Why is that? Just because we just don't have the amount of experiences of exhibiting love as women do. Right. And so I see it and I see it play out every day in my own family. My son sees my mother exhibit love and he sees me exhibit like discipline. Not that she doesn't discipline, but he knows that if he wants, if he feels like a hug, he's going to go to her first. You know what I'm saying? If he if he feels like, you know, I need to understand something about life or, or feelings or you know, not necessarily feelings like I'm hurting. If I have hurt, if he has hurting feelings, if he falls down, he's probably going to call mom. Mom is going to be more tender, more affectionate. Kind of like I talked about last week when we gave away his dog. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> mama, mama was more attentive to his needs and I'm more, you know, structured and explaining the details of why we made a decision. I'm more from a, a thinking point of view. And so he's not going, and that's why we need the balance of man and woman in the household, right? Yeah. And so makes perfect sense about the balancing act. And so he is, and then my daughter is able to see, she's getting a great example of love. She's getting an example of love. Mm -hmm. She's learning how to give, learning how to receive, learning the woman's role in the family. When she's an adult, she has her own children. She's going to love her children to death like her mother loved her. And my son is learning. Go ahead. I'm like, is that something that we should also take a look at maybe just the way that we're raising our boys and maybe we should raise them to be to have a higher love capacity absolutely absolutely it's something i work on but i'm never gonna be as good as my my wife at it um it's her gift like i believe god gives woman um the gift of love i think it's something innate with them and within them like that that's their nurturing motherly spirit everything i know as a father i basically had to like learn or learn from her or exhibit you know like how to hold the baby you know dudes don't even know we don't you give us a baby we still try to hold it like a football and all that and woman just naturally knows for the most part how to just caress and and let the baby kind of fall lightly into their lap into their arms and you know for love for them for us we're more like oh don't let me drop this baby <laughs> okay. All right. So let's let's bring it back. Um. So for the sake of time, um, let's go ahead and jump into um the love capacity scores, and um, I'm gonna let you give um your love capacity titles and descriptions. 
score. Uh, so what happens? You take the quiz. Takes about five minutes. You get the quiz back, and you get a score. You get a title and a description. So there's ten scores and ten titles. So you can score anywhere from one through ten. Score number one. If you score one, you are self-centered. Okay. <laughs> you score two. That means you're damaged. Uh, wow. Score three. <laughs> yes. Oh, don't, don't let me add. Score three. You're confused. Okay. Score four. You're afraid. All right. Five is chameleon. Six is dater. Seven is friend. You love like a friend. Eight is you love. You're a lover. That means you're in in love with love. You want to okay, be loved. Getting better. Right. Nine is a fiance. And 10 is a spouse. Okay, so what do those all mean? And so love capacity is about building up to where a spouse should be. And so that's why a spouse is the highest, it's a 10. Um, the way the, the way the quiz is worked out is it's your your regular standardized testing kind of on a curve where there's 12 questions, but I'm giving you a curve of two. So maybe two of the questions that I give are not necessarily questions that you understand or you agree with or whatever. So I throw two out. Right. So only, we're only counting 10. So that means I didn't that all them questions. <laughs> so that means <laughs> that if, if, if you take 12 questions and you answer one in a fashion that is most common for people who are successfully married. So that's what happens. You, you, there's a group of three questions. One of the three questions is the most common answer for couples that are successfully, happily married. Mm-hmm. Wow, people, that's going to blow people's mind right there. That, I, the, the, thing, the thing I carefully try to do is not try to give people a lot of information in advance so then they try to think their way through it when they're trying to take the test. Um, but it's not necessarily about being right or wrong. Right. It's more so about where you are at that time. Like I said, again, the difference between love capacity and love languages is that it's about who you are. And I think people should be more concerned about who they are than necessarily what their score is. And the interesting thing is I've taken the test on multiple occasions and gotten different scores. And you will get different scores because it's who you are and it's where you are in that moment. And so I've had it now for about eight years and I went through cycles with people where um, they just got divorced and now they're a two, you know what I mean? And they're damaged. And they'll tell me, Stephen, the score is right on point, is right at a two. And I'm really at about 90% accuracy in terms of the feedback that I get back nine out of 10 times, a person will say to me, hey, my score, my title, my description, all right on point. That's exactly where I am. Okay, so let's dig into the description. So one is self-centered. And to get a one, you got one question right? Is that correct? It's not necessarily that you got one question right. It is just, it's just that you only selected one question that is in line with couples who are happily successfully got married. Got it, got it. And so we want to increase the number of, of of questions that you answer or statements that you select that are in line with happily successful married couples. So, for example, um, oh, I wish I can't see. I can't tell you the statements because then people would not. Okay, yeah, no. People so would take the quiz, right? Yeah. So let's so, go back up. So, so if you go towards, um, or if you end up with a score that says self-centered, what does that say about where you are? That means that you're protecting yourself now. That means it's all about you now. That means that, that, that I've been hurt and um, I'm concerned about self and I'm not loving you 
and I don't care about you. You can go away. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm fine. I'll be right here. I'm pray about it. I don't want no boyfriend. I don't want no girlfriend. I don't want to see I'm nobody. Feeling. <laughs> you, you've been there before, right? Where you just said, there. where you just said to yourself, I don't want no relationship. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm like, it's a lot of our sisters that go through that for yes. an extended amount of time. You know, where they just say to themselves, I'm so fearful of being hurt again that I'm just going to protect myself. Yeah, Because you've been through some things. Yes. Okay. So and it, oh, go ahead. Go, no, you go. I was going to say, so two is damaged. What does damaged mean? And the, and the difference between self-centered and damaged is that you may be damaged, but you still may want to hurt someone. I mean, you still may want to love someone else. So again, self-centered is I'm hurt. I don't care about loving nobody else. I'm never taking a chance again. Damaged means that you basically lack confidence that you have a successful relationship, right? Yeah. But you're still willing to try. Yeah. You know, you don't necessarily trust the opposite sex, but you're still willing to try. You're still out there. You're still angry. You're still hurt. And it usually means you stayed in a bad relationship too long. Yeah. Like love don't love nobody. <laughs> love don't love nobody. <laughs> I understand that. <laughs> Where you get that from? I don't think I've heard that before. <laughs> There's a song somewhere. Um, love don't love nobody. Anyway, all right. <laughs> I'm going to find that and come back. Uh, so number three is confused. If you get a three, what does that mean? That means at that point, you felt like in a relationship or in a marriage that you loved hard and you did not get the love in return. And you really don't know what happened. You really don't know what went wrong. You're kind of confused about love. You don't really know how you feel. Um, you're confused about, okay, did I give too much? Was I overbearing? Did I expect too much? Did I expect too little? Um, did I not hold them accountable? Was I not accountable? Was it my fault? Is it their fault? You really don't mm. have a feel for where the relationship is. Wow. Um, you get to the point where you start kind of generalizing. Like you may get to the point where you're all men are dogs or all relationships are, are, are BS. You know, none of it works. You know, your atten- and a lot of times when I see confused too, your attention is focused on the opposite sex instead of focused on your sex. Like you're trying too hard to figure out somebody else instead of really working on who you are and what you did and what you could do better and differently in the future. Okay. All right. And just for the record, Love Don't Love Nobody is by the Spinners. It came out sometime in the 60s. That's old school. You went around. You went around, man. (laughs) Yeah, but my mama raised me right, so I know all the old school. All right. So the next one is Afraid. So if you score a four, what does that mean? Afraid means, uh, and the way it's afraid and how it's different from being self-centered is that you're adamantly against an emotional risk. Like, you're not necessarily in protection mode, like I'm, you know, closed in, I'm hiding in the closet. Just like, I'm not going to take a risk. You know what I mean? So, so I may go out with somebody. I may, you know, have intimacy with somebody. You kicking it, you going hard. Like if anybody who watched Insecure, you saw a girl, she just, you know what I'm saying? I'm just running around sleeping with people downstairs. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) I'm just trying to find Latino dudes I want to hook up with. Like, cause you know that I'm not going to invest anything emotionally I'm just trying to get sex. I just want uh, some attention for for this few minutes right now, and then I'm go back to my world. You go back to your world, and and really, you're like I'm not ever letting my guard down. And you let past relationships purposely hold you back from believing in something in the future. Okay, so chameleon number five. Chameleon is one of my most common uh, re- responses I get. Um, and it was really difficult to figure out this, but what it was, was you become a person that kind of changes who you are and what you do in a relationship, depending on your partner. Mm. 
You get it? And so you've had those girlfriends who they never go out, then they find a dude, now they always going out. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Or oh, you had that dude that he don't believe in God, but then he get with a girl and now you go to church every day and he'll deacon <laughs> all of a sudden. Yeah. <laughs> like, I and so <laughs> you know, so it's like it's it's like and, and it doesn't sustain itself, right? So if you change and you don't really like church as much, but you front like you do to be with the person, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at your love capacity and saying, okay, you haven't figured out who you are and what you can sustain and, and be confident about that individual. Self-awareness, like we talked about earlier, is very important in a marriage. And I'm saying that you're not really self-aware if you change depending on who you date. Okay. So six is dater. And so now we're moving to six, we're moving over to hurt a little bit. That means that um, you're not as hurt anymore. You're not as damaged. You're not as protectionist as much anymore. Right now, you're kind of moving. You, even if you're married, you could be like a dater, like meaning that you're not at the level to give or to sacrifice or compromise of a person that is married. You kind of think in the mindset of a dater. Um, for example, I got a man, for example, that told me last week, you know, um, me and my wife are supposed to go out and she didn't know she wanted to go out. So I just went out by myself. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> like, 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 you know, and what I do they differently like is, one. right, like, you know what? Deuces. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> oh, you don't want to go? You know what I'm saying? Like, like, and, and what I have that to do is I'm trying to, point. right, what I try to do is I try to encourage couples to go together. Like, I say to them, no, honey, I want us to go together. I want us to spend quality time. I want us to spend time together doing fun things. You know what I mean? So as a data mindset, you may get caught up in that where you just say, I just, you know, some, you just take too much for you in the marriage or in the relationship. Okay. So earlier you said that, you know, men kind of peak around a six or a seven. So this is the average for a man, basically? When you get into a seven, and really, again, what I said was men peak around, we're looking for a man to be at a seven, and it's about comparing man and woman, number one, from birth, innately, woman has given the spirit of love, nurturing, motherly kindness, and it's about how women grow normally with another woman around them to exhibit love, so women know how to then give love because they watched and learned and um saw woman love even if woman is loving wrong even if woman is loving a man who don't deserve love woman loves and children watch that and so what happens is as a boy if you watch a, a woman love a man who who you know doesn't deserve love boys look at that and say wow you know what i mean like a woman will love me and i ain't gotta love her back oh yeah that's the right? point yep right whereas most most girls for the most part they don't necessarily learn from mom that I shouldn't do what mom is doing. They learn that, okay, I want to love. This love is what's hard. natural for me. Yeah, I love hard. I, this is what's natural for me is to love. Uh, also with men, you only get up to a seven because then you have to also learn what love is. And love means you have to sacrifice a lot of times. Love means you have to com- compromise I first. That. And so a lot of men have to learn. I had to, I had a lot to learn about love. Like I had to, like little things I had to learn about like just how to talk to my wife on a daily basis and make sure that she understood that, you know, she I wasn't the boss of her. I wasn't talking to her like a dude, right? We got a lot of dudes that do that. Just just talk to the woman like a dude. Just talk to him hard and, and tough. And, 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 and I had to learn to put honey on my tone, you know? Yeah. I, I, sometimes I call my, you know, what I, one of my tricks I give away is I call my wife honey or babe or sweetie sometimes. And actually it's not for her. 
It's not about her. It's not, you know, it's it's more for me to remind me of who I'm talking to. Okay. All right. So you get, get back on track. Yeah, I feel you. But let's let's move on through here. So um seven is friend. And so seven means that when you when you take the love capacity quiz and you're and you're married and you score a seven, that means you're loving your husband or your wife as a friend. Right. That means you're not taking the risk. You're not trusting him to meet you at the level that you need to be loved at. Um, true, like lasting love requires that you trust your gut instincts and your gut instincts at that moment are not like I'm going to be with this person for the rest of my life. I got to watch them. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> we just friends. Huh. OK. So lover number eight. Lover, that means you're prepared to take a risk of being hurt now. Right. You see how we we're evolving, we're growing. Um, you you as you go up the scale, you're more open to taking risks because because love is about taking risks. Like all of us are taking risks through love, you know, because our partner at any point could disappoint us and leave or whatever they want to do, right? And so love is about you're prepared to take a risk from being hurt by another person. Acknowledging the risk, right, acknowledging that risk is a huge development and becoming a person that can love unconditionally. Right. Let me say that again. Acknowledging that risk is a huge development in a person's ability to be able to love unconditionally because because that's what unconditional love means. Right. I'm going to love you without condition, meaning I'm not prejudging you. I'm not reserving love. I'm going to give you everything I have no matter what, because I love you. And that's really what love is about. It's about I love you and not necessarily like you love me is I love you. Yep. All right. So nine fiance. Ooh, my fiance's out there receiving love, giving love, taking responsibility of love. That means you've mastered all of these stages. You know how to love. You know how to receive love. You know how to be accountable for love. Um, whereas the difference between a lover and a fiance is, is that you have expanded your experiences on love. And now you know how to be calmer about love. You know how to, you know how to give your spouse, like, like I got this big thing with spouses that I talk about all the time in terms of malice intent. When you're a lover, your feelings just get hurt sometimes. But when you're a fiance and you can sit to yourself and say, you know what? Did, did he really mean that? Was she trying to hurt my feelings? Yeah. Did, did, did they do it on purpose? That is, You know, and you learn how to give your partner the benefit of the doubt. Oh, that is so major. <laughs> <laughs> Giving your partner the benefit of the doubt. Like you, you, yeah. and again, this is so confusing for people, man. Like again, when you're married and you take the quiz and you score a nine as a fiance, that means that you haven't maximized your capacity to love. You still have some areas that you can grow in. And so, again, a fiance, that means you've gotten to the point where you say to yourself, my partner doesn't mean it like that. That's just how I took it. And I need to take I need to slow down for a minute and confirm how I'm receiving this message. You're there. When you're a lover, you just say, you know what? They hurt my feelings. I'm mad at them. <laughs> yep. Yep. Okay. So if you are at a 10 and you've maximized your love capacity, what does that mean? That means that you're, you have the best foundation possible to have a successful marriage. And so that that's all it means. Simply like you have a foundation. Um, you, 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 you know about love. See, the other thing about love capacity I wanted to do was I wanted to teach people about love, right? So that's why it's got dimensions and it's got accountability it's about love. Like, like love is so important. That's not the only thing in our marriage. It's not the number one thing in our marriages either, but it's about teaching people about love and how you hurt each other's feelings and just how you go through love. So if you get a 10, 
you have the best foundation. That don't mean you'll be successful because I got people who score 10 and they still raggedy, right? Right. Um, but, it, but for them, when they raggedy, it's normally about something else. Like we have dudes who can love at a high level, but then they cheat. You know, and they can't reconcile that. And maybe that's because, you know, they watch their father cheat, watch their mother cheat, wow. or they just and think then, that men get away with it. So how is yeah. it you're going to have a 10 and be a cheater? Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. Okay. That's my assumption that, that there are people out there. And, and actually, whenever I've sent emails out to people who scored a 10, I've never got back from someone, yes, I love at a high level, but I'm a cheater. I've never actually received that yeah. kind of message in my feedback, but I would just imagine that that's the difference. Well, and well, my no, point that I was trying saying, to make. If you're saying 10 is somebody who is um, who holds accountable and is account- can be accountable, I don't see how a cheater would hold themselves accountable. Yes, that's true. And so that's why I said I've never received that feedback before, mm-hmm. but I didn't, I, I, I'm more so trying to convey that just because you score 10, that doesn't mean you have a successful, a successful marriage. Like I don't want any score for anybody to say, oh, I'm a 10. So now I can relax and right. you're the problem. That's yeah. not it. Um, and in the same fashion that I say with, which with my editor and my publisher, I'll get mad about this kind of stuff. If you score one, that doesn't mean you have a bad marriage because maybe your person that you're married to is okay with the, how the one loves. So sometimes I get people, I get couples where the husband scores a three and a wife scores a three. That means y'all understand how each other loves and y'all, <laughs> both, you know what I'm saying? Like y'all equally yoked. Y'all equally yoked. You know what I mean? <laughs> y'all go out, be, be married. And with the, and an example of that would be, um, I got couples who they don't need to tell each other they love each other every day. They just kind of know it and they're good with that. Whereas I need to tell my wife I love her. I need to hear that she loves me. Yes, Some people yes. don't care about that. Okay, well, this has been great. We're out of time. So please be sure to subscribe and follow our podcast so you can be automatically alerted when we produce the new episodes on iTunes, Spreaker.com, Google Play, YouTube, and SoundCloud. And again, tell a friend, thanks for listening. Divorce is not an option podcast. <laughs>